Chapter Thirteen of the Chimney Corner by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Thirteen: The Noble Army of Martyrs. When the first number of the Chimney Corner appeared, the snow lay white on the ground. The buds on the trees were closed and frozen beneath the hard frost-bound soil lay buried the last year's flower-roots waiting for a resurrection so in our hearts it was winter a winter of patient suffering and expectancy a winter of suppressed sobs of inward bleedings a cold choked compressed anguish of endurance for how long and how much god could only tell us the first paper of the chimney corner as was most meet and fitting was given to those homes made sacred and venerable by the cross of martyrdom by the chrism of a great sorrow that chimney corner made bright by home firelight seemed a fitting place for a solemn act of reverent sympathy for the homes by whose darkness our homes had been preserved bright by whose emptiness our homes had been kept full by whose losses our homes had been enriched and so we ventured with trembling to utter these words of sympathy and cheer to those whom god had chosen to this great sacrifice of sorrow the winter months passed with silent footsteps spring returned and the sun with ever waxing power unsealed the snowy sepulchre of buds and leaves birds reappeared brooks were unchained flowers filled every desolate dell with blossoms and perfume and with returning spring in like manner the chill frost of our fears and of our dangers melted before the breath of the lord the great war which lay like a mountain of ice upon our hearts suddenly dissolved and was gone the fears of the past were as a dream when one awaketh and now we scarce realize our deliverance a thousand hopes are springing up everywhere like spring flowers in the forest all is hopefulness all is bewildering joy but this our joy has been ordained to be changed into a wail of sorrow the kind hard hand that held the helm so steadily in the desperate tossings of the storm has been stricken down just as we entered port the fatherly heart that bore all our sorrows can take no earthly part in our joys his were the cares the watchings the toils the agonies of a nation in mortal struggle and god looking down was so well pleased with his humble faithfulness his patient continuance in well-doing that earthly rewards and honors all seemed too poor for him so he reached down and took him to immortal glories well done good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of the lord henceforth the place of abraham lincoln is first among the noble army of martyrs who have given their blood to the cause of human freedom the eyes are yet too dim with tears that would seek calmly to trace out his place in history he has been a marvel and a phenomenon among statesmen a new kind of ruler in the earth there has been something even unearthly about his extreme unselfishness his utter want of personal ambition personal self-valuation personal feeling the most unsparing criticism denunciation and ridicule never moved him to a single bitter expression never seemed to awaken in him a single bitter thought the most exultant hour of party victory brought no exultation to him he accepted power not as an honor but as a responsibility and when after a severe struggle that power came a second time into his hands there was something 
preternatural in the calmness of his acceptance of it the first impulse seemed to be a disclaimer of all triumph over the party that had strained their utmost to push him from his seat and then a sober girding up of his loins to go on with the work to which he was appointed his last inaugural was characterized by a tone so peculiarly solemn and free from earthly passion that it seems to us now who look back on it in the light of what has followed as if his soul had already parted from earthly things and felt the powers of the world to come it was not the formal state paper of the chief of a party in an hour of victory so much as the soliloquy of a great soul reviewing its course under a vast responsibility and appealing from all earthly judgments to the tribunal of infinite justice it was the solemn clearing of his soul for the great sacrament of death and the words that he quoted in it with such thrilling power were those of the adoring spirits that veiled their faces before the throne just and true are thy ways thou king of saints among the rich treasures which this bitter struggle has brought to our country not the least is the moral wealth which has come to us in the memory of our martyrs thousands of men women and children too in this great conflict have endured tortures not accepting deliverance counting not their lives dear unto them in the holy cause and they have done this as understandingly and thoughtfully as the first christians who sealed their witness with their blood let us in our hour of deliverance and victory record the solemn vow that her right hand shall forget her cunning before we forget them and their sufferings that our tongue shall cleave to the roof of our mouth if we remember them not above our chief joy least suffering among that noble band were those who laid down their lives on the battlefield to whom was given a brief and speedy passage to the victor's mead the mourners who mourn for such as these must give place to another and more august band who have sounded lower deeps of anguish and drained bitterer drops out of our great cup of trembling the narrative of the lingering tortures indignities and sufferings of our soldiers in rebel prisons has been something so harrowing that we have not dared to dwell upon it we have been helplessly dumb before it and have turned away our eyes from what we could not relieve and therefore could not endure to look upon and now when the nation is called to strike the great and solemn balance of justice and to decide measures of final retribution it behooves us all that we should at least watch with our brethren for one hour and take into our account what they have been made to suffer for us stern said that he could realize the miseries of captivities only by setting before him the image of a miserable captive with hollow cheek and wasted eye notching upon a stick day after day the weary record of the flight of time so we can form a more vivid picture of the sufferings of our martyrs from one simple story than from any general description and therefore we will speak right on and tell one story which might stand as a specimen of what has been done and suffered by thousands in the town of andover massachusetts a boy of sixteen named walter raymond enlisted among our volunteers he was under the prescribed age but his eager zeal led him to follow the footsteps of an elder brother who had already enlisted and the father of the boy though these two were all the sons he had instead of availing himself of his legal right to withdraw him endorsed the act in the following letter addressed to his captain andover massachusetts august fifteenth eighteen sixty two 
captain hunt my eldest son has enlisted in your company i send you his younger brother he is and always has been in perfect health a more than ordinary power of endurance honest truthful and courageous i doubt not you will find him on trial all you can ask except his age and that i am sorry to say is only sixteen yet if our country needs its services take him your obedient servant samuel raymond the boy went forth to real service and to successive battles at kingston at whitehall and at goldsboro and in all did his duty bravely and faithfully he met the temptations and dangers of a soldier's life with a pure-hearted firmness of a christian child neither afraid nor ashamed to remember his baptismal vows his sunday-school teachings and his mother's wishes he had passed his promise to his mother against drinking and smoking and held it with a simple childlike steadiness when in the midst of malarious swamps physicians and officers advised the use of tobacco the boy writes to his mother a great many have begun to smoke but i shall not do it without your permission though i think it does a great deal of good in his leisure hours he was found in his tent reading and before battle he prepared his soul with the beautiful psalms and collects of the day as appointed by his church and writes with simplicity to his friends i prayed god that he would watch over me and if i fell receive my soul in heaven and i also pray that i might not forget the cause i was fighting for and not turn my back in fear after a nine months service he returned with the soldier's experience though with a frame weakened by sickness in a malarious region but no sooner did health and strength return than he again enlisted in the massachusetts cavalry service and passed many months of constant activity and adventure being in some severe skirmishes and battles with that portion of sheridan's troops who approached nearest to richmond getting within a mile and a half of the city at the close of this raid so hard had been the service that only thirty horses were left out of seventy-four in his company and walter and two others were the sole survivors among eight who occupied the same tent on the sixteenth of august walter was taken prisoner in a skirmish and from that time that this news reached his parents till the eighteenth of the following march they could ascertain nothing of his fate a general exchange of prisoners having been then effected they learned that he died on christmas day in salisbury prison of hardship and privation what these hardships were is alas easy to be known from those too well authenticated accounts published by our government of the treatment experienced by our soldiers in the rebel prisons robbed of clothing of money of the soldier's best friend his sheltering blanket herded in shivering nakedness on the bare ground deprived of every implement by which men of energy and spirit had soon bettered their lot forbidden to cut in adjacent forests branches for shelter or fuel to cook their coarse food fed on a pint of corn and cob meal per day with some slight addition of molasses or rancid meat denied all mental resources all letters from home all writing to friends these men were cut off from the land of the living while yet they lived they were made to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead by such slow lingering tortures such weary wasting anguish and sickness of body and soul it was the infernal policy of the rebel government either to wring from them an abjuration of their country 
or by slow and steady draining away of the vital forces to render them unfit to serve in her armies walter's constitution bore four months of this usage when death came to his release a fellow sufferer who was with him in his last hours brought the account to his parents through all his terrible privations even the lingering pains of slow starvation walter preserved his steady simplicity his faith in god and unswerving fidelity to the cause for which he was suffering when the rebels had kept the prisoners fasting for days and then brought in delicacies to tempt their appetite hoping thereby to induce them to desert their flag he only answered i would rather be carried out in that dead cart when told by some that he must steal from his fellow sufferers as many did in order to relieve the pangs of hunger he answered no i was not brought up to that and so when his weakened system would no longer receive the cob meal which was his principal allowance he set his face calmly toward death he grew gradually weaker and weaker and fainter and fainter and at last disease of the lungs set in and it became apparent that the end was at hand on christmas day while thousands among us were bowing in our garlanded churches or surrounding festive tables this young martyr lay on the cold damp ground watched over by his destitute friends who sought to soothe his last hours with such scanty comforts as their utter poverty afforded raising his head on the block of wood which was his only pillow and moistening his brow and lips with water while his life ebbed slowly away till about two o'clock when he suddenly roused himself stretched out his hand and drawing to him his dearest friend among those around him said in a strong clear voice i am going to die go tell my father i am ready to die for i die for god and my country and looking up with a triumphant smile he passed on to the reward of the faithful and now men and brethren if this story were a single one it were worthy to be had in remembrance but walter raymond is not the only noble-hearted boy or man that has been slowly tortured and starved and done to death by the fiendish policy of jefferson davis and robert edmund lee no wherever this simple history shall be read there will arise hundreds of men and women who will testify just so died my son so died my brother so died my husband so died my father the numbers who have died in these lingering tortures are to be counted not by hundreds or even by thousands but by tens of thousands and is there to be no retribution for a cruelty so vast so aggravated so cowardly and base and if there is retribution on whose head should it fall shall we seize and hang the poor ignorant stupid and brutal semi-barbarians who were set as jailers to keep these hells of torment and inflict these insults and cruelties or shall we punish the educated intelligent chiefs who are the head and brain of the iniquity if general lee had been determined not to have prisoners starved or abused does any one doubt that he could have prevented these things nobody doubts it his raiment is red with the blood of his helpless captives does any one doubt that jefferson davis living in ease and luxury in richmond knew that men were dying by inches in filth and squalor in privation in the libby prison within bowshot of his own door nobody doubts it it was his will his deliberate policy thus to destroy those who fell into his hands 
the chief of a so-called confederacy who could calmly consider among his official documents incendiary plots for the secret destruction of ships hotels and cities full of peaceable people is a chief well worthy to preside over such cruelties but his only just title is president of assassins and the whole civilized world should make common cause against such a miscreant there has been on both sides of the water much weak ill-advised talk of mercy and magnanimity to be extended to these men whose crimes have produced a misery so vast and incalculable the wretches who have tortured the weak and the helpless who have secretly plotted to supplement by dastardly schemes of murder and arson that strength which failed them in fair fight have been commiserated as brave generals and unfortunate patriots and efforts are made to place them within the comities of war it is no feeling of personal vengeance but a sense of the eternal fitness of things that makes us rejoice when criminals who have so outraged every sentiment of humanity are arrested and arraigned and awarded due retribution at the bar of their country's justice there are crimes against god and human nature which it is treason alike to god and man not to punish and such have been the crimes of the traitors who were banded together in richmond if there be those whose hearts lean to pity we can show them where all the pity of their hearts may be better bestowed than in deploring the woes of assassins let them think of the thousands of fathers mothers wives sisters whose lives will be forever haunted with memories of the slow tortures in which their best and bravest were done to death the sufferings of those brave men are ended nearly a hundred thousand are sleeping in those sad nameless graves and may the rest be sweet there the wicked cease from troubling there the weary are at rest there the prisoners rest together they hear not the voice of the oppressor but o ye who have pity to spare spare it for the broken-hearted friends who to life's end will suffer over and over all that their dear ones endured pity the mothers who hear their sons faint calls and dreams who in many a weary night watch see them pining and wasting and yearn with a lifelong unappeasable yearning to have been able to soothe those forsaken lonely deathbeds o man or woman if you have pity to spare spend it not on lee or davis spend it on their victims or the thousands of living hearts which these men of sin have doomed to an anguish that will end only with life blessed are the mothers whose sons passed in battle a quick a painless a glorious death blessed in comparison yet we weep for them we rise up and give place at sight of their mourning garments we reverence the sanctity of their sorrow but before this other sorrow we are dumb in awful silence we find no words with which to console such grief we feel that our peace our liberties have been bought at a fearful price when we think of the sufferings of our martyred soldiers let us think of them it was for us they bore hunger and cold and nakedness they might have had food and raiment and comforts if they would have deserted our cause and they did not cut off from all communication with home or friends or brethren dragging on the weary months apparently forgotten still they would not yield they would not fight against us and so for us at last they died what return can we make them peace has come and we take up all our blessings restored and brightened but if we look we shall see on every blessing a bloody cross 
when three brave men broke through the ranks of the enemy to bring to king david a draught from the home well for which he longed the generous-hearted prince would not drink it but poured it out as an offering before the lord for he said is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives thousands of noble hearts have been slowly consumed to secure to us the blessings we are rejoicing in we owe a duty to these martyrs the only one we can pay in every place honored by such a history and example let a monument be raised at the public expense on which shall be inscribed the names of those who died for their country in the manner of their death such monuments will educate our young men in heroic virtue and keep alive to future ages the flame of patriotism and thus too to the aching heart of bereaved love shall be given the only consolation of which its sorrows admit in the reverence which is paid to its lost loved ones the end end of chapter thirteen the noble army of martyrs and end of the chimney corner by harriet beecher stowe